Chapter 47, January 2010, age 55. Come on, you lousy bums. Robert was intense as he watched the Arizona Cardinals and the Philadelphia Eagles face off in the NFC Championship. It was the fourth quarter, and the Eagles had just scored on a 65-yard pass from Donovan McNabb to Deshaun Jackson, putting the Eagles in front by a score of 25-24. to Robert, come in here, Patricia called out from the study. Robert looked in the direction of Patricia and then at the TV again. I'm in the middle of a game here, Patricia. Can't it wait? No, come now. Robert paused the game, thankful for the technology that allowed him to do so, and scurried to the study. What was so important? Look. Patricia was sitting at the desk in front of their computer, which currently showed a window with a Facebook logo at the top. The profile picture was of a teenage girl with long, dark hair and sunglasses. Robert did his best to see the girl's name next to the photo. It's your Brianna, isn't it? Robert felt the butterflies battling it out in his stomach. Yeah, I think so. It has to be. She's got your old last name, and she's from New York. Yeah, that looks just like I remember her, except older, of course. Do you want me to contact her? It had been 13 years since that life-changing conversation he had with her while he was at Rikers Island, the conversation that began his transformation. After he went into the witness protection program, he tried to talk with her, but her mother Lauren was afraid that he could jeopardize Brianna's safety if the wrong people were willing to use her to get to him. Lauren's reasoning still lingered in the back of his mind when Patricia asked him the question. Let's pray about it first. I don't want to cause any problems for her. About six weeks later, Robert gave Patricia the go-ahead to establish contact with Brianna. While he was still in the shower, Patricia busted in. She sent you her phone number. Robert felt his legs get weak. As he got out of the shower and dried off, he began to cry uncontrollably. Reminiscent of the time when the three-year-old version of his daughter asked him why he didn't come see her. It took him several minutes to regain his composure, after which he went into the study and dialed the phone number Patricia called out to him. Hello? Brianna? Robert asked, his voice shaking. Hi. Sniffles, tears, and tissues filled the next hour as Robert explained his absence with as little detail as possible intent on letting his daughter know that she was always on his heart and mind. The separation between Robert and Brianna had been way too long. As the conversation progressed, Robert promised he would do whatever he could to come and visit her. Robert hung up the phone and went back into the office, where he found Patricia in front of the computer. He remembered what God had told him at the end of her visit to San Antonio, just before she was about to return to New York. You'll never find anyone that will love you the way she loves you. Over the years, Patricia had proven the prophetic words over and over again, leaving behind her family in New York, working side by side in ministry, which included cooking many Italian meals, bouncing around from place to place. Now the initiative she took to reconnect Robert to his estranged daughter was one more sign of her strong love for him. He placed his hands on her shoulders and planted a gentle kiss on the top of her head. She turned and faced him. How did it go? It went very well. I'm going to try and hook up with her. Patricia smiled. Good. 
Robert knelt down next to her. Thank you. Patricia crest his face. You're welcome. I love you. Robert's eyes watered. I know, and I love you too. An ever-present danger existed for both Robert and Brianna in the event he resurfaced in New York. So he contacted his FBI liaison and told him of the situation. He was given permission to visit, but only under certain conditions. After two months passed, Robert landed at LaGuardia Airport amid the wintry cold and went to a hotel restaurant in Long Island where he had arranged to meet Brianna. Robert arrived 15 minutes early and secured a table, but was too nervous to sit. The anxiousness of not knowing how he'd be received made his stomach unsettled. Even though the two of them had talked over the phone and conversations were at least amicable, he still was plagued by the guilt stemming from his absence in her life, which generated feelings of unworthiness. So instead of waiting at the table, he stood near the front door of the restaurant, hoping to catch a glimpse of familiar faces through its glass panes. Within minutes, Lauren, her sister Linda, Brianna, and another girl, who appeared to be about the same age, were walking up to the restaurant, all wrapped in coats to fight off the windy chill. Robert opened the door for them. He struggled with it, as if it were a sail caught in a gale. All four made it inside before Robert let the door slam shut. Wow, he said as he greeted Lauren and Linda with hugs. Feels like a hurricane blew in. He looked down at his daughter, whose eyes were flittering from one place to another, never settling on him. Brianna, he said, trying his best to maintain his composure while understanding the discomfort she was experiencing by being in his presence. Hi, she said, as she stepped up and hugged him. A sense of warmth rushed through him, gently sweeping away the butterflies in his stomach. This is Rachel. She's my best friend. Robert shook Rachel's hand. Nice to meet you, Rachel. Any friend of Brianna's is a friend of mine. He then directed them to his table, where he helped them with their coats. Initially, the conversation shifted from Brianna's performance in school to past memories of when she was a little girl to Robert's explanation of where he had been the last 13 years of her life. As he explained, though, Robert felt the awkwardness grow between him and his daughter. Eventually, the conversation was split. The adults talked about old times and friends, while the two teen girls ventured into a private discussion. The entire meeting and dinner lasted about three hours. After bundling up in their coats, scarves, and gloves, Brianna and her entourage said their goodbyes to Robert. As she hugged Robert, his heart once again warmed from the contact, and he didn't want to let go. But he sensed the uneasiness, and he released her, holding her at arm's length. You get those grades up, you hear me, he said sternly, hoping it would help him hold back his tears. Brianna turned her eyes to the side with a smile. Okay. Good. He kissed her on the top of the head, and then gently urged her to catch up with her mother and the others who had already gathered outside. As he let the door blow shut behind him, he watched Brianna through the window as they walked away, imagining what it would have been like if he had steered clear of the drugs that tore him away from his daughter. He knew without a doubt that God used the government to save his life through the Witness Protection Program. The meeting with his nephew while incarcerated in Florida 
was proof enough that he was a dead man just for considering the idea of becoming a government witness. Silently, he thanked him for that moment. He now had a good anchor point for his and Brianna's relationship, even though he knew it would take a long time to win her trust. But it would be well worth the difficulties he would encounter with her, knowing he didn't deserve the second chance she was giving him. After seeing Brianna, Lauren, Linda, and Rachel get in their car, he turned to go back to his table to retrieve his coat. He sucked in a short breath when he saw the two men standing directly behind him. The younger one was tall, dark, and lean, and wore black slacks under a black wool overcoat. His head pivoted from left to right and then back again as his dark eyes roamed throughout the restaurant. The other man, who was thicker and had salt and pepper hair, had his eyes trained on Robert. He wore an overcoat as well, a gray twill that matched his hair color. Across his left arm was Robert's coat. You'll need this, he said as he handed Robert the coat. His mouth turned up at the corner. A little jumpy? A little, Robert replied as he took the coat and worked his arms into the sleeves. Wouldn't you be if you were me? He adjusted his collar. The man didn't answer, but motioned with his head. Follow me. Robert followed him as the younger man trailed them through the restaurant and then the hotel, his eyes still probing the area the entire way. They went through a gauntlet of staff as they eased through the kitchen and out the back door. As they headed for the employee parking area, Robert saw a familiar car approaching from his right. It was Lauren, with the rest of the girls, headed for the exit. He could tell by their faces that they were surprised, not from seeing him, but that he had company. He made no effort to acknowledge them, except for a very small smile, as he and the men with him waited for them to drive by. The older man grabbed Robert's arm. Let's go. They continued the trek to the back of the parking lot, where the older man opened the rear passenger door to a blue sedan and motioned for Robert to get in. He did so without question. The older man got into the front passenger seat while the younger man went around to the other side. As he opened the driver's door, Robert saw the holstered gun hidden by the overcoat the young man wore. The door slammed shut, and this car sped out of the parking lot and onto the street that ran in front of the hotel. Robert turned and looked through the back window as best he could, and then looked at each of the men next to him. You know, there was a time when I wouldn't have been very comfortable sitting in the back seat taking a ride. The older man laughed. I can only imagine. Robert nodded. Where are we headed? Back to your hotel. By New York standards, the traffic was light, and it only took the driver a few minutes to arrive at Robert's hotel. Both men got out, and Robert followed them to the elevators into his room. The younger man entered first. Robert watched from the hallway as he searched the room. It's clear, he said, as he made way for Robert and the other man. You'll need to be packed and ready to leave in the morning, the older man instructed Robert. We'll be back to pick you up at 6.30 in the morning. Until then, stay in your room. Keep the door bolted up. Don't answer to anybody but me. Okay, Robert said as he walked the two men to the door. Hey, Terry, the older man turned around. Thank you for making this happen. Terry smiled. That's what I'm here for. He started to walk away, but then turned around. By the way, how did it go? Robert nodded. Good. It's a start. Good, he said. 
He turned around and moved quickly to catch up with the other man who was holding the elevator door. Boarding the plane the next morning was uneventful, something for which Robert was grateful. After finishing a conversation with Patricia over the phone, updating her on the evening's turnout, he found sleep evasive as memories of his past and thoughts of how his decisions affected Brianna bombarded him relentlessly. He finally forced himself out of the warmth of the covers and onto his knees next to the bed where he prayed for his daughter and her healing. When his burden appropriately passed, he climbed back under the sheets and drifted off to sleep. He was very pleased the next morning when Terry arrived with a large cup of coffee, already creamed, and a bagel which he ate on the way to the airport. Now, settled into a window seat, he felt at peace as the airplane ascended into the air, destined for his adopted homeland. He peered out the window and caught sight of the Statue of Liberty as the airplane banked left. Since the attack on New York in 2001, public access inside the statue was discontinued until 2009. Now, people milled around its base like ants. In all the years Robert lived in New York, he never visited Liberty Island nor its famous statue, nor did he ever care to until then. The old Robert was disconnected from anything that had no immediate bearing on him, and something like Lady Liberty or the World Trade Center or any of the other famous landmarks of his home state were simply tourist attractions that only brought in annoying outsiders. Now the new Robert had a whole different perspective. This was especially so for the statue, for as he sailed high above her, he could barely make out the chains and shackles at Lady Liberty's feet, one of the few things Robert remembered learning about in school at Our Lady of Lourdes. They once were his chains, binding him to his addictions, but that was no longer the case. As with Lady Liberty, Robert's shackles lay at his feet, broken loose the day he accepted the fact that Jesus alone was the one who could fill the void in his life. He looked to the apex of the statue, its torch, and was reminded of the light that appeared to him through his daughter as she cried out for a daddy that never came to see her. That light broke through the shroud of corrupt power and evil wealth and revealed to Robert that it, it is all a delusion meant to distract him from what is most important in life. As the airplane rose higher and wisps of clouds began to appear, a tired but relaxed Robert continued to stare out the window, unable to take his eyes off the shrinking monument. In the midst of the chaos and turmoil of testimonies and trials, of clandestine meetings, of moving from one place to another, he was at peace with himself, knowing he had made the right decision to become a witness, not just for the government, but more importantly, for the Savior who orchestrated his freedom long before he needed it. As the clouds thickened, Robert's eyes became heavy and shut, just as the Statue of Liberty disappeared from sight. Thank you for listening to The Witness. If you enjoyed it, would you please take a moment to leave a review at your favorite audiobook retailer? Your support is greatly appreciated. Robert.